This is the State of Things broadcasting from the American Tobacco Historic District. I'm Anita Rao. In March 2020, our world changed. The coronavirus gave us a lot to process, and we all had different ways of working through the turmoil. Historians and writers sent a clear message. Document this moment. It is one we will look back on and learn from for the rest of our lives. A group of students at UNC Chapel Hill took that message to heart, documenting their thoughts through letters to their future selves as an assignment. Two of those students join me today to reflect on letters they wrote more than six months ago. Ankita Chopti is a second-year student studying biology. Ankita, welcome to the State of Things. Hi. And Isabel Salas is a third-year student majoring in Global Studies, Human Development, and Family Studies. Isabel, welcome. Hi, thank you. So I want to dive right into hearing about these letters that you all wrote to your future selves. And the assignment said, you know, write a letter. And you all got to choose exactly how you went about that process. Ankita, tell me about the future self that you chose to write to and why you decided to write to yourself in a different universe. I thought that was very creative. Yeah, sure. Um, So my letter was from a me in a multiverse where everything went down the worst possible path like a complete apocalyptic scenario almost to a me in this multiverse where things were going bad, but there was still hope to prevent spread of the virus. It was about how hopeless everything was in the worst outcome multiverse and telling the me in the present that I should learn to appreciate the small things. I also spoke of the butterfly effect in terms of taking your own small steps to prevent a widespread pandemic. I guess at that point, when I'm thinking back to the me in spring, I was pretty obsessed with the concept of butterfly effects and multiverse theory. And I was wondering if the multiverse theory is true, then that means that there is a multiverse where everything's completely wrong and there's one where nothing happened at all. So I thought it would be fun to experiment with that idea with this project. So you start your letter saying, dear me in a happier multiverse. What was going on for you at that moment in the spring that you felt like you wanted to look forward to a happier self? I mean, obviously, we were in a global pandemic, but in terms of your particular circumstances. Um, So I'm an international student from India, and I hadn't been able to travel back home for nearly a year at that point. Mm. Um, So I was kind of feeling like, oh, no, my grandmother is alone in my city in India. So I guess at that point, all I wanted was just to go back home and talk to my grandmother and my family. So I guess I was just hoping for that happier multiverse. Isabel, you also play with this idea of a future self and and think about your connection with your family in your letter. And you even wrote to future members of your family. Tell me about your approach to the letter writing. Yeah, so a lot of my writing, I wanted to center it around my family in Mexico. We are the only family that's in the state. So I started off my letter writing Querida Familia, which means dear family in Spanish, because I don't really get to have that connection with them. And I thought that this would be like a great way to transport myself to them and write to them and anyone in the future who gets to read this. But this is something that our family is doing and this is where we're at. And I hope that they can take the messages that I wrote about Um, to fight different themes that our family struggles with. Um, I know that I was talking about generational curses and difficulties surrounding mental health as COVID-19 exasperated these constructs of anxiety and just a lot of themes centered around mental health. And I really wanted to talk about that in ways that our family in itself are still trying to work around these words and the, the feelings that are brought up by different um, mental health frameworks. Could you read a little bit of your letter for us, Isabel? Yeah, of course. 
So I started by saying, my father, Ramiro, was an essential worker at the time. When construction projects were still happening, I noticed the ways he was being eaten away by his anxiety. COVID-19 generated fear, fear of loss, fear of death, fear that this time was no projected timeline. I often asked when we would see the light at the end of the tunnel. As I'm writing this, I still do not know. For my father, this fear was taking away his sleep. He was the only income for the family at the time and worked from sunrise to sundown. He held himself composed in the most courageous ways he could. But I always felt with my hands tied, knowing his mental health was at play, and I didn't know what I could do to bring this conversation up without it being cumbersome. I always questioned so much about doing this because of power dynamics at home, which is sadly something my direct family needs to work around to help enable our voices and opinions. I hope you can take our family history and, with my help, work through generational curses and difficulties. That is Isabel reading uh, her letter to her future self that she wrote through a class. One of the things, I mean, so much in your letter I found to be so powerful, but this idea that you say that you you found yourself transported to core fears and you discovered ancestral strengths and magical traditions that kept you afloat. So you kind of bounce back and forth between documenting what's going on with your family in this moment and then looking back through your family's generational history to kind of grasp onto that power. Tell me about what drew you to think about that deeper structure, that the way that generations have got your family to this moment in the middle of a pandemic. I think a lot of it has to do with a project Dr. Laguerre assigned us to do. Um, it was something at home, and I decided to make a traditional plate, arroz con leche, which is rice pudding with my mom. And we were in the kitchen just discussing how this is a tradition we've done since home. And it like enabled us to have more conversations with my grandma and just discussing how women are always together when in a family setting and men are always together and these type of separations and the idea of how heavy our culture can be and the things that are like damaging our family and the way that that can be heavy, not having a, a united family. Like it's always a division between men and women or the type of conversations and the power dynamics that holds. And I think that, with me being the first in my family to have gone to therapy and to seek help and understand um, ways I can feel more connected to my family and parents and know how to express my emotions, I think that that's one of the ways we're breaking these power dynamics and understanding that it's okay for women to speak up and say that this is how they feel and for them to also have a place at the table. That's starting with us, and I really appreciate the way that my parents are being open-minded about it and how we're also taking the time to talk to my grandma about how this is an important time for her to also speak up during COVID-19 if she doesn't have something and my grandfather is not um, is dismissing her feelings, um, how we can come into play and mediate these feelings and validate her. I mean, it's so interesting that this period has brought, this period of disconnection, of, of isolation has um, brought people together in different ways. And, and you know, a lot of folks at the beginning of the pandemic started having, you know, weekly chats with their high school friends who they hadn't talked to in decades. And and I started having weekly Zooms with my family who are all in different parts of the country. And I wonder for you, Ankita, I mean, did this process bring you together with your family in a way that was unexpected, the process of being farther apart? Um, yeah, so the thing that happened with me was just as the pandemic hit and I was thinking I can actually not see my family for a really long time now, uh, my parents came down to the U.S. and surprised me. They were like, hey, we're yeah. here. And then lockdown happened. So um, I got to spend time with my mom and my dad. 
but then my rest of the rest of my family like my brother and my grandmother were still in india so um i never actually realized how much i missed all my friends and my family in india till they started giving me whatsapp video calls or zoom calls and then we would have these game nights and um one of my cousins has now made this rule that we have to call each other at least once every three weeks. Hmm. So that's that's brought us all much closer than than we were when I was in India. I'd love for you to read a piece of your letter for us now, Ankita. Could you do that? Yeah. Um, so I wrote, as I dream of the happier universe you are in right now, it makes me want to remember. I want to remember what it felt like to stroll outside without being covered in protective suits from head to toe. To laugh with friends as the greasy smell of pizza wafted in at our favorite restaurant. To smile as we took a walk on campus at night after a heavy thunderstorm, breathing in the amazing scent of wet grass and soil. I hope these things are not a luxury, but a common thing for you now. That was Ankita Chopti, a UNC Chapel Hill student, reading from a letter she wrote to her future self. That was uh, gave me chills to read that part of your letter because how true is it that we all have those moments of remembering how simple things, the, the simpleness of our past lives, the things that we took for granted, being able to be in close proximity to other people, being able to, you know, very carefree, in a very carefree way, spend time with friends and loved ones. Where are you now as you look back at writing that and, and realize even how much more time has passed since you've been able to do those things than maybe you had imagined at that point? Um, when I think back to six months ago, I kind of feel happy I got the opportunity to write this letter because when I was going over this letter now, I kind of thought, wow, um, this is what I was thinking six months ago. And even though I was saying, oh, I miss going out, I miss like seeing my friends and hanging out with them, I realized that the people I've met this semester, even over Zoom or over other video chatting things, they've become some of my closest friends so far. So um, it's pretty amazing the way that we've all been able to adapt to this online environment. And even though it seems like everything went wrong and when I read my letter, I feel like, wow, apocalyptic scenario. Everything actually didn't go wrong. And there are things, there are new opportunities I've found from online school. All right, we're going to continue our conversation after a quick break. The two students will stay with me who I've been speaking with. Ankita Chopti is a second-year student at UNC Chapel Hill studying biology, and Isabel Salas is a third-year student majoring in global studies and human development and family studies. We'll talk with the instructors who led that course just ahead and hear more about the letter-writing process. You're listening to The State of Things from North Carolina Public Radio, a broadcast service of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Please stay with us. This is the State of Things broadcasting from the American Tobacco Historic District. I'm Anita Rao. A letter is a snapshot in time. However dated this form of correspondence may feel in an email and texting-fueled world, it provides an avenue for reflective self-expression that is much harder in zippy digital communication. Students in a UNC Chapel Hill class last spring wrote letters to their future selves as their present selves were in the midst of a global pandemic. Still with me are two students from the course. Isabel Salas is a third-year student majoring in Global Studies and Human Development and Family Studies. Ankita Chopti is a second-year student studying biology. Joining the conversation now are the instructor and TA for the course. Allison Legary is a clinical assistant professor at the UNC Chapel Hill School of Education. Allison, welcome. Thank you. Also with us is Lucia Mock-Munez de Luna, a PhD student in the UNC Chapel Hill School of Education. Lucia, welcome. Thanks for having us. 
So you have been working with Allison for three years. You've TA'd this class before, but you were called on to do something different this year. Tell me about how you settled on letter writing. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that that when the pandemic hit and and we moved to virtual instruction, um, we really had to rethink sort of our course and how we were going to finish out the semester in a way that was um, you, you know, both considering the the very real impacts that a lot of our students were having um, in their everyday lives, and also trying to um, honor the conversations and the community that we had built um, while we were in person, um, and sort of the the openness and the vulnerability that that our students had um, had shared with us. And so, when we were thinking of our final assignment, um, you know, we had to balance, of course, completing the sort of requisites of a college course. But we also wanted to um, try and find a way to, again, bring in this community that that I think a lot of us were really missing, particularly mm-hmm. in the in the first days of, of the pandemic. So in my own work as a PhD student, I've been sort of engaging in letter writing as a way to sort of think through um, a different way to engage in, in theory and academic writing and thought. Um, and it's been really, really um a really beautiful process in my own writing and sort of opening up new ideas and, and new ways of writing. So I suggested to Allison that we um, that we have our final assignment be letters. Um, and from there, the idea just kind of grew um, and the results, the, you know, what the students produced were beyond, I think, anything that we had imagined. I love the idea of writing to your future self versus writing to someone else, because I think there's an element of a kind of diary-like effect that happens when you start writing to yourself where you kind of break through the facade really quickly. Like, you know that no one is going to be reading this. You don't have to keep up um, this kind of external perception of, of, you know, what someone who's reading the letter may judge you to think, and you can break through to, to go more deeply inward. Is that something that you all were thinking about as as you made this assignment? Yes, in some sense, um, we were trying to have this idea of, of writing to your future self which in some ways, you know, you can't really know who you are going to be in the future. So it is in some ways to someone different. Um, so there is this idea of, of vulnerability and an openness that that we were hoping to um, to really get at, both in writing to oneself, but in writing to a future self who you can't really know in a very uncertain time. Allison, what did you notice when you looked at the collection of these letters together, the the letters from all of your students? Were there themes that emerged? Yes, there definitely were some themes that emerged. Um, as, as Lucia is speaking as well, some students took the prompt as writing to, um, for example, a daughter or a granddaughter. Mm-hmm. So thinking that, thinking of that as a future self was really an interesting take on things for me. Some of the themes that I think this project was able to get at were real concerns of young adults. Our students are mostly education minors, um, but they do come from across all of campus. And especially later on in the fall, we heard a lot of the narrative that um, college students potentially were being irresponsible in terms of wearing masks and getting together and things like that. Um, And to me, those narratives really pushed um, against the idea that I had read in the letters from my students. For each of them, I read deep, deep concerns about family, about um, various benchmarks in their lives that they had expected to experience starting in March 2020 that that were routine, but now were not going to be part of the way that they marked time. Uh, and further, I think one 
particularly interesting thing is that we know that when students come to university, they're starting to test out um, new, more independent identities in a lot of cases. And for a lot of students, they went back home um, to places where the routine there is that they are a child mm. in that situation rather than an emerging adult. So a lot of the letters talk about that tough space for students who are taking on new challenges in their independence, um, who are uh, really thinking differently about who they are and their politics and all kinds of different things, um, now having to go back home and sort of reintegrate into a world that recognizes them as something that they were in the past. Yeah, that's... that's a big theme. That That's really interesting because I think that definitely came through, Isabel, in your letter of going back home and seeing the ways in which um, the pandemic was hitting members of your family differently, especially your father, who was still out continuing to work and, and continue to expose himself to the virus and kind of his anxiety being very real for you when you were living at home with him. Tell me more about that. Yeah, my dad often would come home and would just tell us, that certain workers weren't wearing masks, certain workers were um, not feeling protected by the company, um, being neglected by the project managers, and just a lot of frustrations that I could see on his end as well as a language barrier of not being able to express that fully in English and just the anxieties that came up at home um, of just making ends mean, uh, meet. And I really think that that really got to him the first few months. Totally. And and the kind of the vulnerability of of the body, I mean, is something that comes through in a lot of these letters, I think. And Lucia, I know you really felt like students who were obviously both experiencing the pandemic, but also this period of um, upheaval in terms of racial justice and, and this reckoning and attempts to build community while we were distant around ways that we want to work toward a better future. I'd love to um, hear you maybe read a bit of your letter and then touch a bit more on some of those themes around community building that came up. Sure. Um, So yeah, I actually addressed my letter to um, our students in the future. I took the self as sort of a communal self. Um, So towards the end of my letter, I write, I understand this impulse to return to life before, but I wish we could refuse this. I wish that you will have refused this and have instead chosen to behold each other with regard with abolition and decolonization and justice and art and haunting in heart. I wish that you found a way otherwise. I wish that you have destroyed all of this and that there's something more than this. Our conversations, your words, your feelings, your generosity and brilliance and insight and refusal of despair makes me believe still and always that there is an otherwise, and that you will have brought about the end of the world as we know it, to build and imagine a community of care, just like you did for us this past year. That's Lucia Mac Munoz de Luna, a PhD student in the TA for the course that we are talking about where students wrote letters to the future. I love that. Really beautiful. And did you see that come about in this course, this attempt to kind of gather and and think critically outside of structures, um, even though you all were so distant? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that you can hear it um, just in how our students are, are talking about their letters and about their experiences now. Um, the, the entire course um, was sort of built around these ideas of how art 
can help us engage in in sort of other wise thinking about justice, about um, schooling, about sort of the structures that we exist in every day. And from the beginning, our students were just willing to to push us and to push conversations forward um, and find different ways of engaging in community building that was sort of outside of, of the usual structures of a of an academic classroom, which is in some ways really built on individuality and um, this idea of, of knowledge as competition and as belonging only to one person. And instead, in our class conversations, we really had this sort of building of, of a communal knowledge um, and caring for each other and caring for each other's thoughts and feelings and really deeply engaging in difficult conversations. Ankita, you are part of um, a different semester of the same course where you all are writing letters to institutions, which obviously tracks on a lot of the themes that came up in the last semester of the course. Tell me about um, the letter, the institution that you're writing to and the process of thinking through that letter. Um, yeah, so we were given the option to write either to an institution or an object. Mm-hmm. And in my case, I chose the object. Um, I wrote my letter to a face mask. because <laughs> How um, fitting. I noticed that the change in face masks since they, they had changed a lot since March. At first, we wore surgical masks because we thought it was a temporary problem. But then as the pandemic kind of dragged, people started adapting masks to their styles and the political scene around them. We had masks on the BLM movement in summer. Then we had, I think, red versus blue masks during the elections, which showed people's political views. And now students have started mask designing startups where they just let their creativity flow and design masks personalized to you. Like as much as we changed, the social justice issues changed and our masks were kind of the way to tell someone's personalities and political views. And I thought that was pretty interesting. So I wrote my letter addressing the changes in the face masks over the last six months. I mean, and we've each developed such distinct relationships with face masks at this point, you know, having gone through various phases with them now, hopefully most people wearing them almost all of the time. um, You definitely I I definitely have enough to write about to my favorite face mask, so I can totally understand. Allison, talk to me more about about this new prompt and how you're continuing this letter writing process in your courses and, and why you're choosing to do that. Sure. So we, uh, as we started with the letter writing project at Lucia's suggestion in the spring, it really surfaced so many more feelings than we were even anticipating. And our students in particular had so much to share. It it really led us to feel that perhaps their thoughts weren't, um, they weren't being asked to share those thoughts in other spaces. They were being asked to just continue with the status quo, finish your exams, do this. And uh, we felt that it was so powerful in the spring that we wanted to draw attention to it again. So our our, sp- our spring course that we've been talking about is um, titled Art, Education, and Social Change. And then the course that we've been teaching this fall is called Social Justice in Education. So one of the big things we look at is how do we recognize institutions in our daily lives and the power structures that um, make up those institutions. So as students dug into those, we were just, uh, again, blown away by all of the things that were part of how they were engaging with these very intense sociological concepts, um, how they were engaging in what Ankita shared in terms of world building, thinking through multiverses, etc. And we were really just pleased with how they grasp the idea that even something like the Tar Heel Way, something we hear a lot about at UNC, 
could be perceived as a, an institution. I'd love to close by hearing um, any thoughts about a PS to the letters that you all would write if you had the opportunity to do so now. Isabel, maybe you can start first. Sure. Um, I spent some time thinking about this, and I think one of the greatest takeaways over these six months um, that I wanted to or would like to write one day is how my dad became politically inclined. Hmm this election um, as a naturalized citizen. Um, I think it always felt very overwhelming for him to partake in elections. And this election, he sat down with me and asked me questions that I never thought we would have this type of conversation about why I wanted to vote and what was my decisions and why I thought it was a responsible decision to vote this election. And he he sat down and we both did mail-in ballots and I thought it was just like a really beautiful bonding moment to have a conversation with my dad and for me to lead the conversation as well, um, which is different because I don't think I've ever gotten that opportunity to lead. Yeah, that's really special to see how this has allowed you all to shift shift roles and shift dynamics within your family as various people need support in different ways from others. Um, that definitely resonates with me. Ankita, what would your PS be? Um, I guess for me, when I think about it now, like six months later, a lot, a lot has changed for me. And um, I really like what Lucia had said earlier about how we shouldn't want to return to the normal old things we used to be because then we wouldn't really be the people we grew to be in the pandemic. And um, I think my PS would be that even if it might seems like seem like your university plans and life plans are all kind of crashed and there's no hope for recovery. Um, we should keep an eye out and we might even grasp an opportunity we hadn't considered before. Like you might grow closer to people you had never thought you could be close to before. So even so as my letter was kind of a worst outcome scenario, I thought this would be a fitting PS because um, even if it all seems like it's terribly wrong and I was going to go for a study abroad this semester that didn't happen. All my plans are canceled. That's not true because um, I kind of found new opportunities, which I never would have even considered before. I love that you also give yourself space in these letters, both of you, to grieve, to really grieve the things that you have lost in this time, not forcing yourself into a silver, silver lining, but also acknowledging that, you know, new outcomes have come from the decisions and the changes that happened in your lives. Lucia, I'd love to end with you hearing about um, the future versions of your students that you were hoping would return to these writings or that may return to them even uh, 10 or 20 years into the future from now. Yeah, I think one of the really beautiful things about um, about letter writing um, is, is sort of the way that it doesn't – well, because there's this permanence um, in terms of marking this moment – you know, you have this moment recorded, um, and yet these feelings and these thoughts that you have, in many ways, they, for me at least, they, they defy linear time. So while they were the future uh, six months ago, now they're the present, very soon they're going to be the past, um, and then they might be the future again, right? These, these same thoughts and feelings and, and emotions that are coming through for our students I think that they're they're going to be able to return to them at any moment of time and the conversation won't necessarily be over. So yes, it marks a specific moment in time for them, but it's also a way to 
engage with with yourself outside of sort of the boundaries of of time, outside of the boundaries of space, and think through always, right, this this constant evaluation of, of who you are, who you want to be in this world, how you want to be in relation to other people, um, to yourself. Um, and just hearing our students talk about, about their letters now, um, everything that we could have hoped for for this project, I think they've gone above and beyond um, sort of, I think, the importance that we hoped that these letters would have to them. Well, thank you all so much for sharing the process and the product of these letters with us today. I've been speaking with Lucia Mock Munoz de Luna, a PhD student in the UNC Chapel Hill School of Education, Allison Laguerre, a clinical assistant professor at the UNC Chapel Hill School of Education, also talking with Ankita Chopdi, a second year student studying biology at UNC Chapel Hill, and Isabel Salas, a third year student majoring in global studies and human development and family studies. Thanks so much to all of you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. You're listening to The State of Things from North Carolina Public Radio, a broadcast service of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill.